Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so today we're reading my book, The Pesky Kids 3, Stuck in the Mud, and we're now up to Chapter 20, The Complaining. Here we go. Back at school on Monday morning, April was again in Mr. Lang's office. Part of the terms of her agreement for not getting expelled was that she had to check in with him every second day so he could keep tabs on her. I see from the local paper that you were at the training session with Tom, said Mr Lang. April rolled her eyes. The Bilgon Gazette had published a big colour photo of the training session that showed April sprawled awkwardly on the ground as Tom leapt athletically in the air. I did as I was told. I should get bonus points for that. I have also been informed that you were very loud and disruptive, said Mr Lang. That wasn't me, said April. That was Tom. He doesn't realise when there are people nearby and he talks too loud. "'You're blaming Tom again?' asked Mr Lang. "'Yes,' said April. "'He's not very well behaved. You should keep an eye on him.' Mr Lang suspected April was baiting him. He decided it was better not to engage. He just shook his head sadly. "'Ms Darrowell hasn't thrown you out of the group yet, so I suppose that's something,' he conceded. "'I think she thought about it,' said April. "'But there was this lunkhead journalist from the local paper there, so it would have been a bad look kicking out a vision-impaired kid. Tom's really good at milking that sympathy stuff for all it's worth.' Well, you aren't going to be followed by the press everywhere you go, so try to behave yourself better, said Mr Lang. Tom was the loud one, said April. I suppose I could shove a sock in his mouth if you'd like. I'd quite enjoy that. Bang! Mr Lang's office door slammed open. A big man in his late fifties stood in the doorway, panting for breath. You, said the man between gasps. Mr Lang looked at April, assuming she had done something to incur his ire. But the heavyset man pointed at Mr Lang and repeated the one monosyllabic word. You! What? asked Mr. Lang. I want my wife back, rasped the big man. April was shocked, and it took a lot to shock her. I'd better leave you to it. This sounds like a private conversation. She bent to scoop and pick up Pumpkin, but the little dog had a firm grasp of the newcomer's sock and didn't want to let go. Come on, Pumpkin. You're too young to hear grown-up talk. I didn't do anything to Mrs. Pillsbury, protested Mr. Lang, gripping the edge of the desk as if seeking protection from the humble piece of furniture. "'That's Mrs Pillsbury's husband?' asked April. She was impressed. Her respect for the receptionist increased, knowing that she had married such a large and angry man. Mr Pillsbury shook his finger at Mr Lang. He was quivering with emotion. "'You started it,' he accused. "'You're the mayor now. You're responsible for this woman coming here and brainwashing all our wives.' "'Huh?' said Mr Lang. He was relieved to realise that Mr Pillsbury did not think he had personally done something to abduct his wife. It was merely something that had occurred under his political tenure, but he was still baffled by what this man thought had occurred. Who's been brainwashing wives? That heptathlete woman, said Mr Pillsbury. She's come here with her message of fitness and exercise for women. She's ruining everything. Fowls up every morning exercising in the park. Then they all go and have coffee at the cafe afterwards. I don't get to see her before I go to work. 
Why don't you just join her for breakfast at the cafe? asked April. The man turned, noticing her for the first time. He seemed flabbergasted by this suggestion. I know the Good Times Cafe is disgusting and the service is dreadful, said April, but they do do a good strawberry milkshake, and my shameless meat-eating brother highly recommends their $5 egg and bacon roll. But they're all ladies, said the big man. They'd all laugh at me. They're going to laugh at you, whether you're there or not, said April. The question is, will you be eating an egg and bacon roll at the time? The big man clearly decided he'd had enough of talking to April. He turned his attention back to Mr Lang. The men in this town don't like it. Every morning, all the women go off for hours and they come home muddy and exhausted and all they want to talk about is sprint times and ab crunches. It's not my fault, said Mr Lang. Yes, it is. You're the mayor, said Mr Pillsbury. There's an election coming up. Men vote too, you know. But I don't want to be re-elected, said Mr Lang. I never wanted to be appointed in the first place. So you're just going to let the whole town go to heck then, are you? demanded Mr Pillsbury. This town has way bigger problems than women getting muddy and drinking coffee, said April. I'm pretty sure they're toxic heavy metals in the water supply. It's the only rational explanation for why no one has ever done something about the giant poo out on the highway. It's a giant potato, said Mr Lang, and it's historic. It was erected in 1989, said April. It's a lot less historic than the pyramids of Egypt. Are you making fun of me, demanded Mr Pillsbury. He rubbed his left arm as he said this. He was starting to look very grey and sweaty in the face. No, said April. Are you all right? I'm fine, said Mr Pillsbury, which he immediately contradicted by collapsing to his knees and grasping the side of the desk. There was so much paperwork stacked on the surface that it slid off in his hand and he toppled forward onto the floor. He's having a heart attack, said April, picking up the phone on Mr Lang's desk and starting to dial triple zero. Now that you're mayor, you're going to have to stop bullying people. You can get away with it when you're a guidance counsellor because no one cares how you treat kids, but adults are more delicate. This isn't my fault, cried Mr Lang. I didn't do anything. He was on his knees next to Mr Pillsbury, loosening his shirt collar. That's always the politician's defence, isn't it? I didn't do anything, accused April. Well, sometimes that's the problem. You don't do anything when something needs to be done. But I didn't give him heart disease, said Mr Lang, taking hold of Mr Pillsbury's wrist so he could check his pulse. He's in your office complaining about your decisions, said April. A voice came through on the other end of the telephone line. Emergency, what service do you require? We need an ambulance at Currawong High, said April. The mayor may have killed a voter. I'm not dead, groaned Mr Pillsbury. Not yet, said April, but we all die eventually, don't we? And with his mayoral policies, that day will probably come sooner rather than later. Tell Val I love her, Mr Pillsbury choked out. Tell her yourself, said April. I'm not a messaging service. And that is the end of the chapter. Now, I should point out, if you're in Australia and you want to call emergency services, then you dial triple zero. In other countries, you have your own number to call. I say this because I know my own girls talk about calling 911 because they watch so much American TV and they hear it all the time. Call 911. But we don't live in a country where 911 works. We've got to call a different number. So it's really important you know the number for emergency services in your country um, and learn it so that you know who to call if there's an emergency. That's my public service announcement. Thank you. So that's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.